0: This is the Dive Bomb Squadcast, presented by Dive Bomb Industries.
1: All right, hey folks, welcome back to another episode of the Dive Bomb Squadcast. This is Forrest Carpenter, and we have the whole crew here tonight. Got uh, Kyle Jones right here, as well as Cade Tricky, and we are... Fortunate enough to be able to share this evening and a great conversation, I'm sure, with the one and only Dave Owens. Now, for those of you who live strictly in the waterfowl circle, may not be an everyday name, but for anyone who has gotten out from under a rock in the turkey woods in the past decade or turned on YouTube as an outdoorsman, you know this guy's name and you've heard of Pinhoti Project, and uh, he's also the 2018 Grand National Turkey Calling Champion uh dave how you doing tonight
2: oh man i'm doing fine how about you guys
0: great man i'm doing great turkey season's coming up it's ready <laughs> yeah. to
3: go day paradise.
0: <laughs> yeah no kidding man living the dream right
3: yep found a long beard track this morning running my cone trap so that's a good day in my book no,
2: man, you can't you can't beat it. Um, yeah, man, it was like 70 degrees here today. Um, this time last year, we had like a snowstorm or a, an ice storm blow through and locked everything up. And I'm sure the cold weather's coming because it seems like every year in Nashville, those those handful of days were there. It's like the weather is just absolutely miserable. But, um, man, it was it was crazy nice outside today. So, yeah.
0: yeah, yeah I guarantee
2: think- there's a turkey gobbling somewhere. I guarantee it. it no
0: it, doubt about that. It got you thinking, man, it's. I'd I'd like to sneak off in the woods here real quick. Oh yeah, <laughs>
2: yeah, absolutely. I'm trying my best to get out there and was trying to set some uh, a new trap line today. I usually try to set them and run them for a couple of days and pull them and move to a new spot, kind of saturate those little areas down. And somehow, when I pulled the last set, I, I think I put my I think I lost my little driver to, to to anchor my earth anchors in. So I've got to either order one or makeshift one i got to do out out there do a little uh redneck engineering probably and get one get one manufactured so i can run those earth <laughs> anchors back in the ground <clears throat>
3: grinds you off a piece of a rebar it should
2: get you back in action yeah i've got real i gotta yeah i gotta get the little notch ground in there And it's, yeah yeah that <laughs> because those earth angers I, I can only imagine if you don't have something to hook those things into trying to get oh, go far enough would be a It'll be a headache.
3: So the worst part for me with those things is storing them, to carry them around. I put them in my bag, and it seemed like it just like a fishing fishing spool. Oh God, yeah. <laughs> you
2: got a backlash every time you. Oh yeah. In
1: your backpack. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Kyle and I are sitting over here, and uh, neither one of us have done any trapping whatsoever, and we're pretty sure you guys are speaking Arabic or French or something, sure. but I can't quite piece it together. Yeah, it's it's easy to jump into because I didn't know anything about
2: it a handful of years ago myself. But, um, you know, with everything that's happening in the turkey world, it's uh, it's shown to be pretty effective and, and saving a few of them, putting a few more of them on the landscape
1: for us to enjoy every spring. So anything to help a turkey, I got to learn it pretty quick. it's It's pretty awesome when you have the opportunity to have something – relatively simple that can have such a direct impact on the outcome of not necessarily the outcome of your hunts but your your experiences in general i mean i, I can only imagine the difference in having um you know 50 coons and 10 bobcats to having you know five coons and two bobcats running around a, a couple hundred acre block of woods on uh no. survival rate i mean that's that's a pretty dramatic change even if you're not squeezing the trigger on them at all no doubt yeah absolutely um
2: you know the statistics you know you got to have such a such a when you start looking at numbers everything's um you know landscape level it it takes a really intensive approach to to really make a difference when you start looking at statistics and stuff but man i'm just kind of use a little bit of common sense when it comes to this and Mm -hmm. in my opinion and you know a dead coon doesn't doesn't harm any nests this spring so um you know i guess we got to be a little bit careful you don't want to pretend like you're out there trying to eliminate coons because you know we all know that that wouldn't even be possible if we wanted to but um this intensive trapping right here before the nesting season you know february and march um just kind of pushing them back to where they probably should be in the first place and just giving our turkeys a a little bit of a head start so yeah he's kind of I don't know if this is supposed to be a trapping podcast, but no, <laughs> well, I man. feel
3: the same. I feel the same way about it. I mean, you can go back and forth whether or not it's um, you know the best best possible thing you can do for a wild turkey. But to me, man, it's just it's my way of putting my boots on the ground and going and doing my part. And uh, you know, every, you know, I see it. Everybody's got to find a way to give back, and that's my way. So, you know, it, yeah, I mean, it's just ball, as long as you're you're making an effort. That's that's the, the important matter
2: yeah it's just uh you know and it's it's just accessible everybody doesn't have a tractor or a dozer to cut fire lanes and doesn't have the property to cut fire lanes and burn but exactly just about anybody can can grab some coon cook traps and in some parts of the country you can trap on public land um relatively uh inexpensively um that's one thing that i'm starting to bump into is i'll do a little bit more research into the trapping side of things that it seems a lot of these trapping regulations haven't been visited since like Gosh, since people actually made a living off trapping, some of these regulations are really dated, it seems. Um, Something that, you know, us as turkey hunters, I think we need to start visiting that as well as, obviously, all the turkey regulation and bag limit, all that stuff that's been in the uh, spotlight for the last last handful of years. Um, I think the trapping stuff is going to have to start getting pushed to the top as well.
1: Down. yeah and actually i mean honestly i feel that way about a whole lot of stuff especially uh you know some of the some of the laws that are out there surrounding waterfowl and and, and even game transportation that sort of thing uh you know a lot of that stuff really dates back to like you say market hunting and that kind of thing and, yeah. and it's kind of funny that we we tend to to invent all sorts of new rules uh, all the time to to govern ourselves in a in a modern era but we rarely go back and uh, especially in the the outdoor industry it doesn't seem like uh, as far as regulations are concerned we go back and and do much revising on what's there already
2: yeah for sure i mean it's a there's a lot of that type stuff i i haven't seen as much of it like i said until i started diving into the into the trapping side of things it seems like everything at least what i pay attention to is been touched up over the next, last handful of years ever every state usually has like a what is it an eight-year management plan or maybe a 10-year management plan and I kind of try to stay brushed up on that and see what little flexibility they have to change regulation and bag limit and that kind of stuff but um yeah the trapping stuff I was kind of blown away um, because I mean I had to call somebody I was like this can't be right you know I mean this can't be right and then you get them on the phone and I was like I mean, is it me or does this like just not make sense um, Mm. given the conditions that we have right now with, you know, nest predators and, uh, you know, the little mammals running around everywhere and how we've kind of fragmented the habitat and made it a a predator's, you know, dream come true and our prey animals are just sitting ducks and um, everybody that I talked to kind of agreed that they needed to be revisited, so maybe, maybe we got some Maybe we'll get things rolling in the right direction here soon.
1: Yeah, well, that's the truth. And and um, now you live down in Georgia. Uh, what all do you have going on this time of year? I mean, I, I, I guess it, it seems like trapping's a perfect, you know, void filler between uh, you know waterfowl and deer and and uh, turkey season. You know, you got that little gap there. But uh, but what all what all do you like to do? What's what's your annual uh, year kind of look like? Obviously, you've got the spring pretty much taken care of. Uh, do you do you do deer or waterfowl or anything like that?
2: man
3: I,
1: I deer hunt a little bit uh past
2: the time uh, i don't allow myself to get back into waterfowl i used to be an obsessive waterfowler um gosh we used to hunt the tennessee river in lake guntersville uh religiously used to rent a house on it back and, and and for half a dozen years or so we we would just live on that lake during duck season but we just got to where duck season i kept moving my turkey season earlier and earlier and it just got to where duck season almost got in the way, and I just couldn't have anything at all um, interfering with my turkey season. So my turkey season now starts, gosh, Thanksgivingish ish when I start planning and start editing and start, you know, I edit year-round, but that's when things get really intense is, is that Halloween. I mean, uh, Thanksgiving time frame there, that's when I usually turn off the deer button and turn full turkey mode, and then by the turn of the year, you know, by Christmas and, and January, considering that, you know, folks typically want to buy some hats and shirts around uh, Christmas time and that kind of stuff. So I I'm, I'm stay pretty busy with the brand during that time of year. And, shoot, um, before you know it, like January is just a blip. It just seems like it was, you know, if it was just yesterday that we turned into 2022. And here we are halfway through February and I leave here in a week and a half to, to start this thing. So everything after the first of the year really gets suspended fast.
1: Goodness. Now, where do you find time? I mean, obviously, we mentioned uh, some of the turkey calling stuff. Does that have kind of a season to it, or is that an all-year thing? I know with uh, you know Kyle and I, with the, the waterfowl calling, it's pretty much summer, and then it caps off with the World Contests uh, in November. Is is there a similar season like that for turkey calling? You
2: always see the competitions kind of ramp up right here prior to to Grand Nationals, which is kind of the Super Bowl of turkey calling. Uh, or world series of turkey column however you want to refer to it so you'll see um you know a lot of competitions after the after the turn of the year um and you'll see a lot of them through march and, and and whatnot especially in the northeast or those states that they have later turkey seasons um they'll be you know popular then and then you'll see some contests like just following turkey season say some june contest july contest and then there'll be some sprinkled just here and there throughout the summer um and then it's usually right around the turn of the year they start ramping up again when everybody starts thinking about turkeys so
1: nice um now with with all of that how how is the turkey calling world i mean how how is that are are contests doing well um growing and, and staying busy
2: I think they are starting to see a glimmer um, because it got so slow there for a while. I mean, I don't know. I wasn't part of the calling. I was kind of a late bloomer, referring to to turkey calling. I didn't uh, take part in all the intermediate divisions and youth divisions. I just kind of, like, I, I was a self taught turkey hunter, so I didn't have anybody that got me into the turkey calling or anything until later in life and i kind of jumped kind of you know just jumped in with both feet um straight into the senior you know divisions um so i didn't get to see the the calling back when everyone was talking about how some of these contests contests would have 40 or 50 participants and they would have to have a preliminary to cut it down to the top dozen and have it you know a second day to do a finals like they do in in nashville i didn't see all that nowadays you're doing really good if you can get 15, 16 callers into the into the open. Um, I mean, I've seen some contests with 18, uh, 20. Um, that would be a really big contest. Um, typically, you're not going to see that though. These small contests may have eight, ten participants per per division for the you know the senior open uh, or the state open. Um, but that being said, turkey hunting as a whole is getting popular. Um, <clears throat> and platforms such as mine, I'm hoping that I'm putting more attention on the calling and the woodsmanship side of things. Um, I think a lot of the advancements in technology you didn't have to become a proficient caller to be successful uh, and kill turkeys. And I think that kind of cast a little shade on the calling circles as well because you just didn't have to do it. It wasn't necessary. Um, But, you know, hopefully with uh, kind of a different um, narrative out there and hopefully people are catching on. And I think that we're going to see the calling contest start gaining some popularity. Um, And frankly, after the COVID and everybody was kind of shut inside their houses for so long, I think a lot of people are kind of chomping at the bit to get back and do any type of social interaction. I'm hoping that our calling competitions uh, benefit
1: from that as well oh i'm sure i'm sure i mean honestly uh, my love for turkeys is a a result of covid and uh the initial lockdowns and all that and uh, my my cousin was actually kind enough to take me out and we both uh, separately killed birds off the same tree within uh 43 minutes i think it was after opening bella turkey season and uh i was stuck the rest of the year not able to buy out-of-state tags or anything like that so um I, I picked up some mouth calls was trying to get into it um if a guy wanted to get into turkey calling contests where, where does it even start you know is there a place you can find a list of all the contests out there or how's that work
2: yeah all most of your contests are nwts sanctioned contests and you can go to you know their website and then search Uh, specifically for turkey calling contests by your state, so it'll have the ones listed, and and sometimes it's, you know, they may not list but like three weeks or a month before they are actually, you know, take place, but if you just check it regularly you can follow contests, and there's a couple Facebook groups, turkey calling contests, Facebook groups, you can get on there, and everybody's pretty much um, shares, you know, uh, because like I said, everybody wants to get a crowd to their contest, and, you know, my buddy uh, Hunter Lemoyne put on the Louisiana contest this year and they're really able to get some big sponsors to go in there and kind of foot the bill and and, and make it you know worth your time um, because calling competitions you know when they were big there was there were big payouts you know um, it, now it got to work so small you could barely offset your cost of you know <clears> to <the throat> travel to a contest you know so um, but you know those guys like him they, they work really hard to make those contests big. And they have, you know, payouts that were really worth your time. And I think that's what it's going to take to get the calling contests, you know, back up and running. But here, you know, I'm sorry, but if you're looking to make a living off winning turkey calling competitions, you, you're going to go hungry. So <laughs> if,
1: if, um, you're, if you're saying that, I, I'm going to believe you because there's not many people who could do a better job at it than you could. <laughs> <laughs> um,
2: but, yeah, I mean, it's a lot of the camaraderie because, man, I mean, you get in a room with people that – blow turkey calls and like to listen to turkeys and black and like turkeys just in general uh, a lot of like-minded folks so it's a uh, it's it's a good atmosphere and um and yeah as far as getting into it uh just kind of the part two of that question is kind of kind of getting into it if you wanted to get into it you like i said you go to nwtf you find those sanctioned events and just go to as many as you can and don't be shy um it can be a little bit intimidating going to these contests but most of these contests have a hunter's division um to where you can get in there you don't have to compete against grand national champions you don't have to compete against folks that have been doing this for a decade um you can get on there and kind of get your feet wet you know with amongst people that have about the same calling ability as you um there's friction divisions um so that you're uh you know if you'd like to use box calls pot calls um, that kind of thing. There's a division specifically for that. You can do a gobbling division. There's an owling division in most, um, you know, competitions. So just get out there and don't be shy. I mean, w- you'll learn once you get there that you know the nerves are there for everybody and the nerves don't go away. I mean, I'll, I'm you know to this day, if if you go to a contest, I've been in quite a few and you know your knees are still going to knock a little bit when you walk across the stage. So.
0: Man, that we can, you know, we we love hearing about these calling contests because I mean that's how you know, that's how Forrest and I really got involved uh, within the waterfowl industry. So it's cool to to hear that different perspective from basically, I mean, a, a completely different species, uh, and, and to hear uh, to hear about that. That's that is really really cool, man. Um, now, how does that
2: how does that compare to like the, the waterfowl calling side of things? Because I know there are some guys that flip back and forth and, and that can do both. And um, I just I was always curious about, you know, the nerves and um, I don't know, the, the audience the, the you know, is, is it's kind of similar to what I described? You get up there no matter how many times you do it, you feel like people are breathing down your neck and and that kind of thing.
0: Man, everything that you described about turkey calling contests is completely relatable to uh duck and goose talking attendant force and i are looking at each other like dang you know like attendance wise competitor wise uh payout wise it's it's all very very similar and it's you know because of COVID, it's starting to gain a little bit of traction social media is making it a little bit more popular and we're really trying to promote the crap out of it Uh, Mm um but it is uh you know man i last in 2019 man i was thrown up before i was going and competing in the final round of world goose you know it's like and i've been doing it since i was 15 years old and i'm 30 now so it's like you know it gets you it it really really gets you
1: you know and, and i think the one of the things that is so interesting about and and whether it's talking about trapping or contest calling, I feel like uh, you know, I'm 31, Kyle's 30, Cade's just a young buck at 14. But <laughs> but uh, anyway, it, it feels like we're getting to this age where instead of just looking around the room and waiting for someone to do something about it and trying to get things back on track, it's, it's time to put on your big boy boots and, and stand up and, and do your part to make things happen. And, and heck, it, I don't think it's made a ton of difference for us yet, but even just in the year that Kyle and I have really worked together and, and had, uh, you know, this, this wonderful dive bomb platform to use okay. to promote the sport of contest calling or waterfowl calling anyway, um, that there's been a, maybe a little bit of improvement. Maybe it's just because we've, you know, made a, a couple of Facebook pages or this or that, but, um, you know it's it's weird and, and it's it's kind of like the chickens have kind of come home to roost when you you think about all the years you sit there just wondering you know hey what's the next step who's gonna do what and, you know it, it kind of one of those deals where you, you kind of just have to do it yourself and if you want to make something happen you got to do it. it
0: it completely falls on us as callers you know especially if you've been involved in it for a while and and then you start maybe winning winning a few t- few of those contests and and it, it really does fall on us yeah absolutely and i'll be the first
2: to first to admit i do not and have not in the past promoted the competition calling side of things um i honestly don't even consider myself like a, an avid competitive caller i mean i've obviously won the grand nationals i've won the georgia state competition a number of times and some others here and there but um i'm just i have it like i said i wasn't one of those people that was brought up in in competitive calling i entered it late and i only entered it because i thought i was hoping it was going to make me a better turkey hunter and i'm sure it has but i have been so tunneled vision on the actual hunting of the turkeys and the studying of the turkeys that the competition stuff has never it's definitely not even been even close to the top of the list but as i see folks getting interested in just turkey hunting in general. And I, I'm, I'm one of those people that'll go to the grave and I'll die on that hill saying that, you know, turkey hunting needs to be popular. I mean, we need people wanting to help the bird. And, and the only reason people are going to want to help the bird is they, they've got to go out there and enjoy the resource, which means they've got to kill one or at least try their best to kill one. So um, that being said, like with that being popular and understanding that the competition side of things could here again, be another avenue to generate more hunters and generate more people that care about turkeys, I I honestly need to do a better job of, you know, like I said, picking up that torch, just like you said, pick up the torch and and make sure that I carry it, um, you know, do my part and uh, keep these competitions alive because, like I mentioned, my buddy Hunter that puts on that competition in Louisiana, uh, Terrence uh, that uh, puts on the Alabama competition, these guys work Hard to make those competitions good because it takes a lot of effort, and I can only imagine how many phone calls you got to make, doors you got to knock on to get these sponsors um, involved and in, in that kind of thing. So, um, you know, by by no means is, is Dave or the Penhodi Project like a like a competition call promoter like he should be probably, but um you know, we all need to make. I, I probably need to make a change in that and. and be honest with you this phone call is probably kind of gonna kind of you know motivate me to do that so
1: well honestly um you know even if you haven't done it from a contest calling aspect i'm here to tell you what you have done for the sport of turkey hunting with your pinhody project youtube videos and and the series there man is unbelievable i mean it's it's absolutely wild even just how much like i say i'm i'm a fledgling i am very fresh into this uh, extremely passionate, and it's something that, you know, the, the hook's been set pretty deep, but I cannot begin to tell you all the things that I have learned just from watching your videos and, and uh, you know, just the, the way your videos are, it, it's a lot different than anything else I've seen out there, and it, it it's educational as long as you're willing to pay attention, and I feel like you're, you're really putting something out there that that leaves a lot of wonder and excitement for people who are just getting into it all the way up to people who've done it for a long time that's great to
2: hear because i mean
1: um i was hoping that it appealed to anybody and everybody
2: but i felt like my stuff appealed more so to the folks that already turkey hunted and already kind of had their feet wet and it more just kind of exposed them to doing it more and doing it i don't know a little bit you know, just flat out more, like going to different places and, and kind of expanding their horizons on just the back 40, you know. Um But, you know, I've got a number of messages messages about folks that, you know, hadn't tried turkey hunting, stumbled into my videos or something and, and kind of tried it and, and are now ate up with it. And that's exactly what I wanted, you know, because um, obviously turkey hunting and, and everything surrounding, me, it's been life-changing for me. I mean, it's literally what I think about, you know, daylight to dark, 365 days a year, so I couldn't imagine my life without it, Um, so thinking that there's potentially somebody out there that that could have the same impact that would never, just never flat out comes in contact with it because by happenstance, you know, that doesn't sit well with me, so I felt like, you know, exposing folks to it, whether they liked it or not, at least they knew it was out there
3: that's the biggest way that the whole the penhody project and all the
2: videos and everything have, been,
3: have uh, encouraged me. I, I've been a turkey hunter my whole life and uh, we do all this waterfowl almost year round it seems like but um, you know been a passionate turkey hunter for my whole life but what it's done for me is kind of opened my eyes to what's out there and um, you know I used to I, I would hunt in Arkansas where I'm in National Forest where I've always hunted and I was content with that. When season was over, it was just season was over or I had to wait for season to come in, but, um, watching your videos and kind of learning that there's, there's things out there. You just got to go get it. And, um, the whole do it yourself, you know, nobody holding your hand, just getting in the back of the truck. And, um, I've kind of modeled it after you quite a bit and, you know, I'll go to Mississippi or Tennessee and sleep in the back of my truck for several days until I can put something together. Um, so it's impacting people in different ways, you know, whether it's like Forrest, you know, he's um, a couple of years into this thing compared to myself, been doing it for a long time. And it's still, I feel the same way. I learn something every time I watch an episode, dang near. Um, but but it's definitely encouraging all, all different sorts of turkey hunters. And that's something that I think is hard to do in this day and age to hit such a broad market.
2: Um, that's something that you do well for sure well thank you for that like i said it sounds like we got folks on the line that that that, that struck with both ends of the spectrum on what we were hoping to appeal to so that's awesome
0: now dave what uh what made you decide to like man i i'm gonna get a can i'm just gonna take a camera with me like what 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 was it because like man i've i've like i'll be honest with you dude like i pick up a camera and i try to go turkey and i'm like man this thing's just it's getting in my way i don't ever press record like i'll just put it down and then you know I, I just find it to be more of a more of a just a nuisance not necessarily a nuisance but just bothering me personally while oh, I'm yes. out hunting like what what made you be like man i'm i'm gonna go all in about this
2: well no no doubt about it there's there's two things that i really hate and both of them's video and turkey hunting so um <laughs> it it is not for the faint of heart for sure um and i had dabbled in it a little bit when it was convenient but i, I man we just honestly i felt like it was for the greater good um i got to really like having a some deep thoughts Like probably thinking too deeply about things when things get quiet and there's no background noise I I, I think, overthink myself and I just got to wondering with magazines and internet kind of becoming such a huge thing and social media and magazines disappearing and the hunting forums becoming just flat out toxic, um, that's where I learned to turkey hunt, like I didn't have anybody to show me I mean magazines disappeared Um, you couldn't go to a hunting forum without getting attacked or made fun of or just you know just it just got toxic and i got i thought to myself you know where is somebody that was in my shoes 20 years ago or 15 years ago where where is that somebody going to learn to turkey hunt and i thought they're going to go to youtube and learn to turkey hunt so you just go to youtube and just type in how do i turkey hunt or turkey hunting or whatever and the stuff that was popping up there did not represent what i did in the least um it may have been something i had done once upon a time and i think that's what it kind of struck a chord with me because it is something like some of the stuff that was up there i had taken part in but it it wasn't turkey hunting um and i was like you know these people that are going to want to learn are going to bump into that and that's what they're going to think turkey hunting is and there's so much more out there than what that was representing and um i just thought you know I made the, you know, I made the announcement that, you know, when we started Penhody Project, it was, this is not going to be pretty turkey footage. If you're expecting them to watch, you know, turkeys slow motion, their snoods standing up, and them, you know, doing all this crazy, you know, acrobatic fighting and stuff, that's, this is not the content for you. Um, Because if we get a kill shot, it is luck. Because we're just kind (laughs) of here to show you the journey and the grind and everything that goes into, how we turkey hunt which we felt like is the most fulfilling way um <clears throat> you know really learning the land and learning what's around you and using your woodsmanship and using the calling and and all of that wrapped into to what made turkey hunting for us and that wasn't represented if it was it wasn't re- very well there wasn't enough of it out there um for for folks to find so that was a big part of us kind of launching this thing. Um, wanting to make sure that the way we turkey hunting, the way we turkey hunted just didn't, didn't disappear, you know? Um, until I'm telling you, man, when we did, when we, we took this, you know, took to doing what we're doing, the amount of folks that sent us messages and, you know, all the comments like, man, you know, basically what we figured out is there was a lot more folks that turkey hunted, how we turkey hunted, um, they just didn't video, and it wasn't out there, and it was kind of reassuring that, you know what, our trade is not dying. You know, we there's folks out there that are doing exactly like us. It just it just wasn't accessible through media, so <clears throat> I'm hoping that doing what we did, um, you know, maybe it found the right people, and maybe it influenced some folks to, to hunt them uh, and get the most out of it, so.
0: I mean, truthfully, man, I, I I guess with social media and, uh, hunting TV shows and stuff like that, man, like hunting your methods and the way that you hunt was completely new to myself. And I I mean, I've been turkey hunting since I was 14 years old, but it's like, it was completely new to me. I mean, I, I would always thought, you know, a guy's either, you know, toting around a decoy and and putting a decoy out and hunting out of ground, which is, that's fine. That's, that's, if you want to hunt them how you want to hunt them, that's, that's great. But I had no idea up until, you know, I, I got, you know, watched your, your show for a bit. It was like, man, like, this is, this is wild. This is cool. This is new. and, And it's something I had never really realized up until, uh, and that many people, like you said, hunt the same style and methods that you do i just had no idea about it
1: And it's it's super cool that um it's it's really really cool to me uh because i was kind of the same way and and like i say i'm i'm the least experienced of everybody and and i honestly coming from a waterfowl background uh you know you watch videos of guys uh, crawling behind a fan in places and you see a picture of a dead turkey and uh, (laughs) man it, it seems like it's just going out there and killing something but man the the more I, I watched your stuff, the more I was able to clearly see that it is far beyond that. That there is deep reverence that, that comes with not just the bird um, and the the taking or not taking of his life, but um, the experience as a whole. Soaking it up, the camaraderie, the, the leaning on a tree, smoking a cigar. I mean, man, that that hit home in a whole nother way because I'm I'm at a point here where in waterfowling, you know, I've kind of gone through all of the stages of, of waterfowling and, and, and being a hunter, and I'm at the point where, you know, I really don't need to squeeze the trigger. I love watching the birds work, um, and, and if I can share it with someone else, that's what gets me going, but, you know, I, I know that's not how it is for everyone, and it was really cool to see someone at that Point, make it known or, or put it out there for people to see, and and not just to um, yeah, post the equivalent of a of a pile pick for for a turkey hunt, you know? Yeah, <clears throat> yeah. Just that that's exactly what we wanted to accomplish with this thing. We
2: wanted to paint the pretty picture of the process. We wanted the pretty picture to include the process, and um, with with uh, the advancements and some of the techniques that are out there. Um, it's it's jumping over a lot of that process. A lot of that process can be avoided. It can be ignored, and that's what made that's what makes turkey hunting. I mean, um, and the process wasn't being highlighted, it, and it, it was just that end scene. It was just the success pics that you were seeing. And don't get me wrong, um, I'm a sucker for a good good a good picture. I try to take every every um step i can to make sure that there's there's respectful pictures taken of turkeys that we're lucky enough to to get a hold of but that being said it's the process that i'm proud of it's the process that i want to uh undergo in order for one to die like if he dies i want to, to get as much as i possibly can out of him and i don't know my biggest fear is these folks were using some of these techniques and i'm not i'm not like it's really a difficult line to kind of toe there. I don't want to discourage somebody from turkey hunting. I just, I just feared that they were going to use those techniques and they thought that's the only thing that encompassed turkey hunting. And there was so much more. And um, I just wanted them to kind of look at that bird at the end of the day, if they were lucky enough to kill one, and understand that using some of these techniques, you, you don't get everything that he had to offer. And um, for me, uh, at the, at least at this point in my, you know stage of of my hunting life this I, i need i need that i need to know when he's dead that i i beat him you know i beat him um and got as much as i could out of him and i'm still going through um some of those i don't know adjustments in the in these this phase of you know maturing as a hunter and having these um experiences and you know and especially given what i do now considered how much i get the turkey hunt and and stuff it's it's really one of those things that you kind of slow down and, and you kind of like i said you, you look at each one of them and, and really kind of run it through your head that could you potentially gotten more out of him? could he had a given you can given you more before you squeeze the trigger so i don't know it's kind of a I don't want to dive, and I always say this. I try not to dive down a big, deep spiritual hole when it comes to these things, but I do think so much of them that I wish everybody would just kind of slow down a little bit and realize that um, it, the, 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 the journey is where the is where the enjoyment is. It's not in the it's not in the keel.
1: Honestly, absolutely. The the feeling and the emotion that you're conveying that that even if you didn't speak the same language, I can feel that you care so much about what you're talking about. I would give anything to see and feel more of this in the waterfowling world. It's, I mean,
0: what would Kyle? I mean, it's something we we talk about all the time. Yes, it's. Uh, uh, we often, I mean, I've I've asked Cade this, I've asked Forrest this, but why, why is there such a substantial difference? It seems like, anyway, from my perspective, you know, why is there such a substantial difference? Uh, with the mutual respect between turkey hunters and w- turkey woodsmen, I guess, and waterfowlers, especially you know on public land and private land, i mean, private land, everything. Why is there such a difference there?
1: And it's—and it's, and it's not only just between hunters, but also between the hunter and the prey. You know, um, you know, I think that's one of the biggest places I notice it is. <clears throat> yeah, absolutely, for right, like that's like, a good point there yeah i mean we we run the, the dms for the, for the dive bomb page and uh you know we're very grateful for everybody that tags us stuff and stuff and we really appreciate their support um but in all this time on social media we come across a lot of stuff that um yeah, frankly if, if you really feel passionately about the bird is is kind of offensive and it's, Just it's
3: straight up disrespectful honestly that's it
1: yeah, and, and they're it's super disrespectful. You got, you know, the, the guys going down and, and there's a you know, bird twitching in, in his last moments and they go and, and try and high five a, a dying bird's foot or, you know, the, the holding a the bird in the mouth or um, you know, shoving what's left of a bird's bill and in, in a shotgun barrel and I mean they're just all sorts of, of wacky stuff in waterfowling that I see that I that I don't see so much in turkey hunting, and and maybe it is just because I am new to it and I, I don't search this stuff out. But, um, man, I what what are your yeah, thoughts? How, how in the world can can we could we steer waterfowlers uh, towards that same appreciation that that you've found for turkeys? Yeah, I I don't follow the waterfowling circles as tightly, um,
2: so I don't. I know exactly the pictures that you're talking about, though. I mean, I know exactly the disrespectful uh, stuff that you're talking about. And I'm going to sidestep the question a little bit and just say that's why I'm so proud when people think of me, they think of a turkey hunter because I think as many many issues in the turkey community, uh, as many um, turkey hunters – you're thinking more or less of each other than they probably, I will say as a whole, turkey hunters respect the game and respect the, the animal more so than I see on the regular anyways, with any other, like like you were saying, with waterfowl or with deer or, or with whatever. Um, you see, you may you may see some disrespectful pictures, but I guarantee if you look in the comments, there's the, it does not go on. Un- you know, unnoticed. I mean, somebody's going yeah. to say, look, man, that's not cool. Um, and that's, I think that's taken off over the last handful of years as well. I mean, um, even standard practices that may, they just appear disrespectful and, and, and may be harmless as, as far as, you know, some of the, the greatest turkey hunters of all times have always preached run up to a turkey and put your foot on his head. Um, even that kind of stuff has, being curbed because it seems disrespectful so i mean I, i'll just kind of sidestep the question a little bit and just say I'm, I'm proud to be at least mentioned in those uh conversations about turkey hunters and turkey hunters who care about the resource and 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 value and respect the respect the bird because i do feel like i i, I know exactly what you say or what you're meaning when you say it seems like in turkey hunting the hunters do they do admire the bird at the end of the day. Um, and I don't know if that's because it's more of a, you know, a one-on-one game. It's more of a, uh, you know, you have a little bit more of a, an intimate feel when you're, when you're battling something, you know, uh, one-on-one. I don't know if that's what it is. You don't get to, you know, do pile picks with turkeys typically. Um, <laughs> I don't know. And, and honestly, turkey hunting, is a lot more of a one-man game you know it's it's a lot less a lot fewer crowds and a lot less you know um you know gang oriented you don't you don't have a lot of even though you may see a handful on our videos you don't see a lot of four or five folks in the in the woods at one time turkey hunting so i don't know if that has something to do with it but for the for the most
3: part when somebody's turkey hunting it's because they they either are a turkey hunter or because they're interested in being a turkey hunter whereas with waterfowl it's You know, hey, we got a group of 12, you want to make it 14, come hop in, you know, anybody and everybody's welcome, you know, and that's where you run into getting into, you know, people who don't share the same morals and respect for the game. Because, you know, me, Forrest and Kyle may go on a hunt to where, you know, you'd be hard-pressed to find three guys that respect it more than us, but that's not to say that the guy on the other end of the A-frame is on the other, complete opposite end of the spectrum. Um, But with turkey hunting, like you said, with it
1: being more of a one-man game, you don't so Dave, um, did you find from the beginning of your turkey hunting career that you had that connection and that respect for the birds? Or is that something that uh, a whole series of single individual moments built up over time? And I mean, how, how did you, how did you find yourself in the place that you're in today, respecting the wild turkey the way you do?
2: Man, that's an awesome question. I don't know if I've ever had anybody, uh um kind of put it that way and i can honestly say from the beginning no i mean you you hunt these things and the most important thing to you or for me was killing them yeah. um so what i wanted to do at all costs i was ready to kill them not you know out of truck windows or over corn or something like that but when it comes time to kill them that's what i was there to do it wasn't about getting as much out of him as he had to give like i was out there to kill him um And, like, I've made mention of this several times as well. I came up and and was a self-taught turkey hunter, which means I was exposed right there at at kind of a turning point in in the turkey hunting uh, cultures, I guess, when a lot of these advancements and decoys and stuff really hit the market. You know, when I first started turkey hunting… I remember getting a little foam feather flex decoy that looked more like a buzzard,
1: you know. And, and, we um, all know the you, one. <laughs>
2: oh yeah. You yeah. end up using them more as a backrest and you know, I mean
0: If it was cold well, if it was cold in the morning you had to put it in the truck heat in front of the truck heater to Yeah. Yeah. Or or you could just light it on fire and warm up for a second. <laughs> but it was uh you know, you had those
2: type of things, so um i've watched you know the dave smith stuff hit the market i watched b mobile make a splash you know the pretty boy pretty girl and i watched all of that happen and fell right into the ruts of what those things have to offer i mean i spent a spring if not two um hunting just religiously out of blinds over the top of those strutting and decoys and um I mean, we killed the fool out of them, you know? I mean, we killed turkeys. I had access to some great ground, and we would watch those river bottoms through binos and put turkeys up every evening, and we'd go slip up under them before daylight, pop our blind up 100 yards from them, set the decoy out there and let him fly down. And, you know, it got to where we would then shoot them with bows instead of guns, just trying to be, you know. But it didn't take long doing that. Luckily, I had enough experience learning um just the woods and being a woodsman prior to those advancements making making their debut to realize that I I did, didn't feel right. You know, it didn't feel um it just didn't feel right. Kinda of felt dirty. And uh I've told this exact story on a couple other podcasts and I'm sorry if anybody's doing this and it's just a regurgitation, but the switch flipped for me when I watched a turkey Leave his hens at like 3 30, in the afternoon and run 300 yards down a wide open power line right away to a strutting decoy that we have 15 yards in front of us. There's no way he should have done that. There's no flipping way that turkey should have left six or eight hens and come down there. I mean, I didn't beat him, but I killed him. You know, I guess that's the weird yeah. way of putting it, but I, I just felt like I was late sitting over that turkey and that did it for me. I said, that, that's the last one.
1: Thank now, God. For, for those of the folks out there who don't have as much experience hunting turkeys, what, what effect does a strutter decoy um, or, or a full fan have on a tom?
2: <clears throat> it's like a sign stimulus, I guess is the way it's been explained. It's almost like an inherited, um, in order for them to survive, in order for them to pass on their lineage, it's like a hardwired flip switch to where aggression overtakes any type of uh, any type of tendency to be wary like they literally live their whole life you know they are the most peculiar animal bird out there because literally they're hunted their whole life by everything everything eats a wild turkey so they're so cautious and so just paranoid All of that is literally thrown out the window when it comes to the sign stimulus, which means that switch is flipped to pure aggression at all cost. Um, You've seen turkeys see, see the reflection in the glass when it gets to the springtime, or it doesn't even have to be springtime. I mean, they are just hardwired to fight at all costs to the death for the ability to pass on their seed. And that's just like a, that's just something that, that's wired within them so that they are you know their lineage and, and their genetics is passed on and that's just something that we as you know humans with the ability to reason have been able to, to figure that out and now we're we're kind of uh, you know exploiting that in them um and unfortunately that's just the way it works you know that's just just how they're hardwired and. Could it be bred out of them? I don't think so. You know, uh, the question has come up whether, you know, we're killing all the goblin turkeys, so we're hearing less goblin because the evolution, the way it works is, you know, turkeys that gobble fewer times, you're going to pass on maybe. That would happen eventually with turkeys that are numb to sign stimulus. But, I mean, I highly doubt it. So that's probably an unscientific you know, observation put into words there for what it
1: is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. that That's a pretty good, I mean, I don't know, from, from everything I've seen and everything I've watched, it's, it's dramatic. Um, and you know, being, being at the experience level I am, uh, you know, I've done a decent amount of hunting over decoys and, I've used it as a crutch for sure. You know, a hand and a Jake. You know, a quarter strut Jake, and it, it helps keep a, keep their eyes off of you. And um, you know, it it's it, it does make things easier. But I gotta say, the appreciation that I have for a bird that you know had no no decoy, nothing to look at, and uh, nothing to be distracted by, and the. I feel like I'm still lying in hip, hip, tall grass in Michigan every time I think about the first bird that came after just a call and came yeah. to to search for me and to find me and to, um, you know, find out what was going on. And, and then you have on the, the flip side, um, you know, the guys that do the, the reaping or the, the fanning, um, and it's just kind of the exact opposite end of the spectrum, it seems like. And and as a decoy company, especially a silhouette decoy company, you can imagine how many turkey hunters have reached out to us and said, "When are you going to make a turkey silhouette or a fan silhouette?" Yeah. Uh, (laughs) So that's that's a question we get all the time. Yeah, exactly. And and you know, basically what you just explained for those of you who have been asking those questions, that is the reason that we haven't come up with a fan silhouette and don't intend to it's it's, i mean i
2: can i I mean you guys have all the respect in the world to resist that urge because it would make money you know i mean oh absolutely yeah you know but man you got you got my respect and here again like we're towing that line again to where are we casting shade toward a sector of our hunting community and we don't you know hunters need to stick together and i understand that um and if our resource could uh, could handle that type of pressure, maybe this discussion wouldn't even be necessary. Um, but in the times that we're seeing right now when potentially our resource is um, seeing some declines across the board and we're, we're kind of uh, figuring out how fragile uh, turkeys are, uh, you I think these conversations have to be had. Um, that being said, people are going to look at me and go, you know, how can you sit here and say that when you, you know, travel all over the place and, and hunt turkeys like you like you do? And you know, I mean I understand those conversations and they probably need to be had and I'm I'm ready and willing to have every conversation with anything about turkeys because I'm just wondering what's best for the bird. And um you know, we just have to look at it objectively and, and try to figure out, you know, if you're gonna have essentially um you're going to make turkey hunting an entry level sport if you're going to make turkey sport it's probably a terrible word here um but if you're going to make it an entry level which is kind of what it has kind of what it becomes when those advancements kind of make their splash and uh the um the just uh the simplification of the process if you've got to realize that we're also going to have to have to push back on the amount of time we're going to be able to hunt these things um because essentially you can you can drag somebody out of waffle house and hand them some of these things and they can go kill a turkey and they (laughs) wouldn't even know what side of the turkey to shoot at you know what i mean to where used to it would take them 15 years to learn the amount of tools to be you know competent at killing turkeys you know on the reg so um it's all conversations that need to be had and i don't want to be a hypocrite and and act like i don't kill turkeys because i do um but i think that um just the uh all of the stuff that's kind of hit over the last handful of years man has really made a splash as far as how i understand turkeys and, and see their populations and see them as a resource and <clears throat> not infinite you know what i mean so
1: absolutely no and and that's i mean that that hits it on the head i mean you, you covered a valid point and that you know obviously we it doesn't matter that the sport you know we, we never really want to turn away hunters um you know that's that's never the intention and and uh, you know even with waterfowling it doesn't really matter the hunt. waterfowling deer hunting uh fishing we we need people in the outdoors and you know that every person out there makes a big difference but i think the emphasis and where we lead people to grow themselves as outdoorsmen um that's what matters and you know, if it takes if it takes reaping a bird here or there, or jump shooting, or um, you know, any number of things that that some people are questionable about, hunting water for you know hunting hunting roost. you know, if if that's what sets the hook, it's it's good to have hunters. But we need to, as outdoorsmen, also step up and and defend the the birds. In this case, um, you know, it's it's our it's our. <laughs> Like you say, I think sport's probably the, the wrong word, but it's our, our passion. And, you know, the, the big thing that we all want to see, I think, especially now I've got a, a one-year-old son, all I want to see, all I want to know when I die is that my son will be able to enjoy some of the experiences or something similar to what I have and be yeah. able to pass that along uh, uh again and and you know i i feel like the biggest thing that we can do as outdoorsmen is try to fight for the preservation of our passions and and the the well-being of all these birds yeah absolutely and i think
2: um i think i come kind of, i kind of come up with I'm here again probably doing thinking too deeply here but um to me, what kind of has happened over the last probably 20 years is especially concerning turkeys. You had the people of the 60s, 50s, 60s, even the 70s. Um, in order to become, in order to be a turkey hunter, you had to first off have turkeys, and the people that that were turkey hunters understood that they had to be conscious of the resource because there flat out wasn't any. You know, through the 40s and 50s, I mean, they watched turkeys kind of come back, and they understood how fragile they were and they understood that they had to take part in, you know, conserving the resource rather than just taking it. And, you know, then you get through the late 80s, 90s, early 2000s, we kind of got spoiled a little bit. Everybody saw turkeys everywhere, and turkey populations were just booming. And I think our population moved a little bit away from, like, the givers um, who understood they had to give in order to be able to take a little bit. I think everything kind of got a little bit lopsided. Um, You had people that, just didn't realize how important it was to to be mindful of the resource and your hunting population got a little lopsided and we got a little heavy on the takers side of of the population and now I think, uh, you know, too many years of there being too many takers and not enough givers, you're starting to see some of the impacts of that with, you know, all of this turkey uh, declines and and that kind of thing. Um, Not saying that we were killing too many, but more so just making sure we weren't making enough um no one was kind of paying attention to the to the actual making of the turkeys and the you know those pulp per hen numbers and all of the habitat degradation that was happening around us and how it was affecting the numbers and you know i think that lopsided population we had a a few too many takers and and not enough givers and um what i'm proud of uh i feel like i'm hopefully a, a part of the of the waking up, um, part of that movement that's like um, coming back around to, to, to being more givers. Mm-hmm. You know, people realizing that, you know, we may have uh, forgotten, you know, what it was like in the 50s, considering we weren't there, but we should read the stories and know how important it was for the folks that love the turkey hunt care <laughs> just as much about putting another one on the ground, um, you know, as far as, you know, putting them on the ground to have them to hunt. So
3: right. Yeah, that's one thing I wanted to uh, to ask you about, Dave. You uh, you mentioned it as being a fragile resource, and um, if for somebody that's listening to this podcast, this is a waterfowl hunters podcast, so um, we kind of got a mixed crowd of guys that listen to these things. But if somebody's listening to this and they think to themselves, you know, I I do take part in uh, taking from the resource. I hunt a lot, but I don't really I don't really see myself giving back. But that's something that I want to. I want to do. I want to, I want to be able to give back to the resource. Um, can you just kind of, you know, what are some of the ways that are readily readily available um, in today's world to where that the average guy can do his part, big or small? Um, what are what are some of the ways uh, that somebody
2: can do that? Man, there's just such a multi-layered thing there because um, in my in my opinion, engagement and being involved is is one of the most important things, just putting forth the effort um, because you got to think about this thing in a lot of different ways. The most, uh, I guess, grassroots thing that you're going to hear is just give money, you know, give funding, you know, fund, fund this organization, fund that organization. Um, You know, they're doing good things and, and not casting shade on any organization because I think they all do. But we also, you can't just write somebody a blank check and not pay attention to it you've got lot to lot right. sure that the that the the weir- wheels and the gears are still turning so being involved and paying attention to that kind of thing whether it be with one of the uh conservation organizations or whether it be with your state agency i think i, I think a lot of folks are starting to dig into these agencies and not liking what they're seeing you know um not saying that agencies are bad or great, you know, I mean, there's some fantastic folks that work at these state agencies, some brilliant minds. Um, we have uh, some of the brilliant minds of the turkey word world now are, are just now finally getting the exposure and, and getting listened to and paid attention to. I mean, I think yeah. that's one of the great things that we're seeing now. And so involvement and in becoming uh, engaged in the conversations and educating yourself because an educated population is is what we need, you know, we okay. don't – and, and I think that's, first and foremost, most important. Obviously, funding is, is, is huge. Um, I'm not going to take credit for this quote because I did not say it. it. It was shared with me, and I think I said a guy from DU shared it, but uh, essentially it was um, conservation without funding is just conversation. So you've got to have money to do something. So that's yeah. why I think funding is very important. But just as important is making sure that the that, that money that we that we put out there goes to work. And, um, and then, just like I said, being a part of the conversation and paying attention to this research that, that is already out there. It's been completed. It just hasn't been exposed. And and asking some hard questions when just things just don't feel right or don't seem right. You know, I mean, a lot of times something seems sticky and I'll get an explanation and finally get the right person on the phone, and they have a very good explanation as the way things are the way they are and why they are, and it makes all the sense in the world. But some of us just don't have the mental capacity to figure that out on their own you know yeah I mean? so yeah um yeah. but i mean just just being involved you know uh here's an example uh of something that i i think about quite often you know right now we're seeing a lot of these and we're seeing opportunity kind of getting pushed in on and um nobody likes that myself i, I hate that i mean I, that's one of the things i applauded the agencies for doing something. Um, they, you know, listening to the population and the moans and groans about the decreasing turkey populations. I was glad to see them make a move and not sit on their hands. But to me, um, I would have liked to have seen some more discussions on other ways to reduce the opportunity, or reduce the harvest, or curb the disturbance, which has kind of been the, um, you know, one of those talking points when it come to come to the turkey population issues we're seeing. I would have loved to have seen more talk about somehow rewarding effort. Um, It seems like effort in a society that seems to be like wanting everything on a silver platter and and everything to become easy and they want it to, you know, they want to hit the easy buddy button. I'd love to see effort being rewarded. Um, Frankly, what I'm saying is rather than taking the days off or making a particular piece of ground off limits or whatever i'd rather you lock the gate at the front and say go get them you know walk in yeah walk yeah. walk in it's six miles to the back you know yeah so you gotta you gotta want it you know that way the people that, that want to put forth the effort the people who are prepared to say i don't have any quit if he's gobbling yeah. six miles in there i'll go find him Yeah, um, they still have the ability to hunt um you're gonna reduce you. that disturbance you're gonna reduce that disturbance because there's only a few of those kind of people out there um, you're going to reduce the harvest because you're again. There's just only a few of those people out there that's going to do that. Um, and frankly, from what I found, the people that are prepared to do that, they're they the kind of people that are going to do what they're supposed to. They're going to kill what they're supposed yeah. to, and they're going to they're kind of you know carry themselves the right way. So that's the only kind of argument that yeah. I have. And and there may be other ways, you know. Um,
1: yeah. To, uh, to you know,
2: it's it's reward it's, effort, you know.
1: Exactly. Right. Yeah, no, that's, that's huge. And and it's funny, you, you mentioned, you know, opportunity, uh, you know, versus rewarding effort. And uh, man, we, we're at a place in waterfowling where we're seeing states increase bag limits um, pretty dramatically. Uh, granted, uh, gosh, I guess it was probably, I don't know, six years ago or so, maybe closer to 10. But uh, both Kansas and Oklahoma uh, used to have three dark goose limits, right? Uh, and then they jumped up. Kansas is now uh, what is it? Uh, six, six, and two six Canada geese and an additional two speckle bellies. And Oklahoma is eight Canada geese and two speckle bellies. When it used to be two and. Um, you know, places further south have seen a dramatic impact, outfitters, guys going and hunting on their own while they see, man, I can go and kill, you know, eight or ten geese on my own. Um, you know, the the impact isn't necessarily looked at as much. And where uh, waterfowl do get the opportunity to get a little bit of a break from humans and harassment from uh, the human hunting standpoint, uh, you know, going way up north, a lot of them going north of the Arctic Circle and just dealing with Uh, you know, foxes and and other uh, Arctic predators like that, Um, while they do get that break, they also get the advantage of flying uh, and and using their wit and combining their experiences to become educated. And we've seen it happen with snow geese where they get uh, or are renowned as being extremely... well-educated birds, and we're, we're seeing the same thing start to happen with the lesser Canada goose. Uh, they're starting to fly in even bigger flocks than they did before. Uh, and while you can still have your, your fair share of days where things go really well, um, you know, I, I feel like sometimes the, the, uh, the, the number of birds you are allowed to shoot has too much emphasis put on it. And it's difficult for people to look at the, Overall picture of uh, a season full of three bird limits uh, and having to you know maybe work a little bit harder to go here or there and and make it happen um, versus the one or two days where they could get them and twenty nine of their closest friends together and stack up two hundred birds uh, you know it becomes the the overall focus of things so um, you know I'm, I'm really glad you you touched on that and I, I think that's something that uh, while there's a lot of similarities between, uh, you know, turkey hunting and, and waterfowling, I think that's one of the biggest ones right there is is just how everything is viewed, uh, opportunity versus reward, and uh, really thinking about the impact that you're having on the resource. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think um,
2: I've just it's just a weird time in the turkey hunting circles because of the stuff that we're dealing with with the populations but i've like i said i've got all the i've got all the uh encouragement in the world because turkey hunters care man i mean they care about that bird and always will i mean they are a very passionate group of folks and um we may not know the exact right answer but i know everybody if we did have the right answer even if it was something they didn't want to do they would do it if they knew that it was going to be best for the resource the problem right now is we just don't know that answer and there probably isn't just one um but i'm sure hoping that we can put to, put together a cocktail of this and that to, to be able to hunt them like we want to as much as we want to and still have plenty of them
1: absolutely well um yep. dave this has been wonderful uh we really really appreciate you taking all this time out of your evening to chat with us is there anything additionally that you'd like to say before we before we let you go uh, no, man, I mean,
2: we've had a pretty good conversation about a little bit of everything, conservation to to everything else, man, so uh, I've had a great con- conversation. I've seen any turkey hunters out there kind of happen upon this thing. Just, uh, I don't know, just that self-accountability, you know, looking in the mirror and making sure that, you know, you can sleep with yourself at night at the actions you take on a, on a resource that doesn't know it's being hunted, you know what I mean? Um, yeah. I like that. The, I like the aspect of the turkey hunting community kind of, those folks that used to be out there um and i know water has has it as well but the folks that wanted to dump their chest and kind of uh make it more about them than it was about the hunt the journey and the and the resource um i'm really the encouragement that i'm seeing now is even though social media and everybody wants to complain about people doing things for a picture on social media and people doing this for for uh for likes and follows, and I understand that there's a certain amount of that going on, but I, I see a lot of folks um, shunning the the chest thumping and the and the, the the mentality of you're you're greater than this thing, you're greater than this resource, and, and holding themselves, you know, as some type of uh, I don't know, some type of assassin. You you had a lot of that. I feel like ten years ago, and I feel like all of those type of folks are really being overlooked now and so as as many negatives as people can spin about the popularity of social media um i'm just not one of those that believes that that it's all bad you know um i think yeah. that it's a huge thing as long as folks are willing to look in the mirror and um hold themselves accountable and and speak up when they think something's not right i think uh i think it's it's, a, it's an awesome thing
1: yeah, and social media is a wonderful platform, and you and everything you're doing with this stuff, with the Pinhoti project, and uh, even just taking the time to do podcasts like this, man, it it it's a, a shining example of what a positive effect you can have with with platforms like this at your disposal.
2: Yeah, man, it's a, it's a beautiful thing, and it's awesome we have this uh, ability to this day and age. It's, it's it's a few good things about technology, right? <laughs>
0: Where, where can, uh, if for our, our listeners here, where can they find your hunts at or your social, what's your, you know, your social media handles or anything like that?
2: Yeah, we're Penhody Project everywhere, basically. I mean, we're on Instagram and Facebook through pinhoti Project. Um, you can find the videos, which is kind of, uh, you know, Grand Central Station, I guess you should say, um, on YouTube and on Mossy Oak Go. Um, so Mossy Oak has their own streaming platform, and we're... Uh, on Mossy Oak Go and on YouTube. Um, starting next week, I think we're going to bump the frequency up. Right now we've been dropping videos since this year, right before turkey season, about every Monday, Wednesday, Friday. But I think next week things are going to get a little bit more rapid because uh, we got a lot of ground to cover, and turkey season's only, you know, it's less than a month away. So we got to get some of this stuff out there. So,
3: Yep. I've been keeping up with them so far, looking forward to the rest of them. Uh, when yeah. uh
2: how long will it be till your, your uh your podcast is out man i' I've, I've i've been dragging around two thousand dollars worth of podcast equipment in the back of my truck now for like a month and a half
3: <laughs> do you have nah. anything recorded
1: <laughs> <laughs> i
2: have the only thing i have recorded is courtney and i sitting in the living room testing the stuff out to make sure i knew <laughs> which way was up and which way was down um, <laughs>
0: i'm
2: wanting the first episode to be chubbs and i talking about the origin of this thing and how it really yeah. all started basically the origin of us not you know before there was a penote project our how we met in our first hunt because it's pretty comical yeah but um with this time of year for both of us we're gosh man it's so hard for us to to mesh up living like three and a half hours apart so i'm looking to hopefully make that happen possibly even this weekend and who knows man i'm, I'm hoping that once i get that first one under my belt and kind of figure out the ropes i'll be able to pump pump at least a handful or a couple handfuls out before turkey season gets so crazy i don't have time to think so yeah
3: well we're looking forward to
2: them yeah man i'm hoping it's i'm hoping it's going to be story time that's essentially what my podcast i'm looking looking to make a story time because turkey hunters are pretty good at spinning tails um
1: you know them the turkey personality traits that they probably don't even know they have so yeah <laughs> oh gosh yeah it's i'm I'm really looking forward to that that's going to be awesome man well uh thank you again i I i'm not going to take up any more of your time it has been so awesome uh and and man just i'm not going to try and blow your skirt up but you are so well spoken and uh wise well beyond your years and it, it is just it's a a pleasure to get to talk to you uh and and b it's it's an honor to have someone like you acting as a liaison for outdoorsmen everywhere um man i i can't applaud you enough for what you're doing with the platform you've built uh and and man i'm i'm, I'm backing you all the way as as well as kyle and Cade. there's no doubt so thank you for what you do and thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us tonight
2: Hi guys i really appreciate the appreciate the opportunity and give me a shout anytime and I'm always available to talk turkey so
1: well thank you man be careful we'll we'll take you you up on that all right (laughs) thank you so much man have a good man you too all right bye okay so uh I want to talk just a little bit here a a wrap-up and a how we relate this to where we are in waterfowling. So just you and I back and forth yeah. wrapping this thing up. That's
0: good.
1: Well, folks, I hope you guys enjoyed that as much as I did, and it's amazing to see how many parallels there were between waterfowling and turkey hunting, um, both from a, a cultural standpoint as well as uh, a necessity for conservation.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It was uh, very, very... Passionate and heartfelt conversations going on and you know, hopefully everybody kind of got an idea of some some directions and steps we can take to to go in a more positive uh, direction, especially when it comes to uh, waterfowl in the past few years
1: absolutely and when you're on social media we're not asking you to go out there and be the instagram or the facebook police and go choose someone out that's that's not what it's all about this isn't about uh tearing someone a new one this is about creating or 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 yes creating an educational moment from what was a potentially bad or bad scenario uh overall for the sport of waterfowling so if, if you see someone out there doing something and and they do something that's uh disrespectful or, or could be harmful to the sport I'm not asking you to go into the comment section and, and try and let this guy know just exactly what he's doing wrong or, or how wrong he is for doing this um, you know take a second send him a message or if you got a phone number call a phone number have a personal talk with him, and just let him know it doesn't have to be a whole lot it's not a, a big long conversation just something small to say hey uh, I, I didn't appreciate the way you know this was portrayed uh, it, it may look bad for this reason. I hope you'll consider it in the future. That something like that goes a long way. Uh, so at the end of the the night, we're really all just trying to improve our sport, make sure that we continue it on for generations to come. And I think um, I'm, I'm interested to see the comments on this one because. I don't. I don't want to say getting preachy, but I think someone else probably will.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I, I feel like there's a there's a lot of folks that will agree with what we talked about and what we discussed, but also a lot of folks that kind of sit back and and think a little bit. And that was that was one of the reasons why we wanted to have this conversation and discussion, and why we asked a lot of the questions that we did, just to uh, to to expand that conversation, like what Dave was saying, it's, we got to talk about it, you know, so it's just all around, all around great, great, great conversation.
1: Yep. That's, that's the only way things grow. And, uh, you know, you and I had mentors that told us that this is the only way we could pay them back by taking kids hunting and by trying to continue the sport. And honestly, I feel like a lot of people out there have felt like we are, on the precipice of going one direction or the other with waterfowling. And, um, you know, I I feel like Dave's words there are just great food for thought. So thank you all so much for listening. We appreciate it. We're really looking forward to catching up with you here on another episode of the Dive Bomb Squadcast. Thank you for listening to the Dive Bomb Squadcast.